Hello, and welcome to Mother Daughter Earthcast, a show that will help you navigate the eco world and live a more colorful and conscious life. We'll inform, inspire, and embolden you. And most importantly, we'll have fun along the way to a more planet-caring lifestyle together. What was so appealing about chirps to us and the idea of eating bugs is that it's a systemic change. Because when we look at the food system, it's not one thing wrong. It's a lot of things that are broken and they're all tied together. This book has turned our story into a kid's fiction series. What we wanted to do is inspire young kids, but especially girls, to go and pursue their dreams, Mm -hmm. to go and pursue entrepreneurship. Welcome to Mother Daughter Earthcast. I'm Jenna Woods. And this is Mariana. We had so much fun speaking with one of Mariana's college friends. Her name is Rose Wang. And she and her, another college friend of Mariana's, they started a business called Chirps. And boy, get ready. You're going to learn a lot. Yes. If you didn't think before that you wanted to know about bugs and insects and how they are amazingly nutritious and great for the environment, well, think again because you do. (laughs) And there's no one better than my dear friend Rose to talk to us about it. She is an insect and cricket pro and has dedicated her career to bringing insect foods into the mainstream. Okay, Marianne, I hadn't told you. My next party, I want to have Chirps Chips. (laughs) You should. (laughs) I want to. I can hardly wait to have some and share them with my friends and maybe not tell my friends that I'm sharing bugs with them. But, oh my gosh, it just sounds amazing. We could even do like this fun little surprise and do maybe a taste testing and then do something like, well, which one do you think was made out of crickets? And then they're all made out of crickets. <laughs> oh, I can hardly wait. The sound. Oh, I, I'm ready. For, I'm so ready for COVID to be ready. I mean, to be finished. I, I want a party badly. And I want a party with chirps chips. I agree. I, and cookies. Chirps cookies. Oh, that's right. Yes. We can have the whole spread. Oh, wow. That would be so much fun. Y'all, mom is really itching for a party. <sighs> she, um, just, she just loves hosting parties. That's just part of who she is. And I'm not. I mean, I love, I like hosting. Toby and I do enjoy hosting, yes. but not every weekend. I don't do it every weekend. Mother, what was that year when of the 52 glorious weeks that we have in a calendar year? <laughs> how many did you not have a guest staying in your home? Yeah, there were eight weeks that one year mm-hmm. when we did not have house guests. So what were you saying again? <laughs> You got to call her out because she can be, she can stick her head in a bucket of Jenna sand. (laughs) Before we digress, (laughs) y'all should also get Chirps chips and and Chirps cookies and Chirps accoutrement for your next post-COVID party or even, you know, during COVID snack. And you can go and learn everything and more about Chirps and Rose and her co-founder Laura at eatchirps.com and all of the links are there and you can see 
the cover of their brand new book, which we talk about in our chat with Rose, Eat Bugs Project Startup, which is geared toward middle schoolers and getting children, specifically girls, young girls, excited about entrepreneurship and showing them that you don't have to know everything and you can just go after your dreams. I'm just so proud of Rose and everyone at Chirps. They're doing such such a wonderful job at bringing this new way of looking at insect protein to the consumer world. Yeah. And Mariana, tell us about when you first heard about Rose's business. I know that you were still living in Chicago. So tell us what you thought about it the first time you heard about it about it. We didn't get to talk about that part in on the p- podcast. I know. I honestly have never been afraid of the thought of eating bugs. When I heard about Rose's idea and her joint venture, I was first of all super pumped for her and super proud and wanted to support in any way I, c- I could. Um, I was so excited when I got my first Chirps Kickstarter package. That was super fun. I unpackaged everything. What was was in it? I can't remember. Definitely there were some chips and I think there was some cookie mix, but don't quote me on it. Or or protein powder. I know that they had the Chirps protein powder. No, I don't believe they had that then. Again, don't quote me on it because you know that I remember like 10% of my life, but I remember the feeling that I felt when I opened that package. (laughs) So needless to say, I've been a fan since day one and just so proud of my friend. And I'm just so proud of anyone who goes after their dreams, especially in an unconventional way. (laughs) I'm partial to people who do it unconventionally. And it takes a lot of courage And I'm just so happy for her and everything that she has accomplished. Yeah. And they're trying to change the world Mm -hmm. and And change people's mindsets. Yes. And create a more sustainable system for food production. Well, no, for food, for protein. Protein. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's y'all are going to be fascinated by this interview. Rose is amazing. And I am lucky to be able to call her my friend and cannot wait to share her message with y'all. So definitely enjoy. This is a good one. All of them are good ones. But before we get into that, super short, please leave us a rating and review. If you like our podcast episodes, it really helps us out. And if you want to get all of the awesome bonus content. And this week's bonus is a sneak peek into their book. And Rose talks more about how that project came to be. And we have bonus episodes for almost every person that we have on the podcast, as well as lovely courses. Yes, we had a course about winter gardening and birds. Yes. And the winter gardening one was right before we got hammered by real winter. (laughs) Yeah. But we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, we will talk about that another time. But yeah, we're always putting more courses up and our latest that is going to be going up in the next week or two is a speech, virtual speech that my mom and I gave on how on the three pillars of having a sustainable life. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. We enjoy doing that. We just think our stuff is so interesting. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> it interests me on, on regularly. Well, that's it. <laughs> so, if no one else can give you a pat on the back, one, go to into business with your mother. <laughs> two, just give yourself the pat on the back. <laughs> that's what we do all the time. <laughs> I know. I was meeting with a customer today, and her yard looks a little pitiful, and she was like, and I just kept on saying, now be optimistic and uh, don't judge anything right now and have patience. And she's, and I said, really, your yard looks great. And she said, are are you being my uh, guard, my yards uh, cheerleader? Yes. My mom even has a little cheerleader moment with Rose during our chat with her. So she she shines at being someone's cheerleader. Anywho, mom, anything else you got? That's all. Let's listen to Rose. Without further ado, please welcome the glorious Rose Wang to Mother Daughter Earthcast. We are here with the wonderful, amazing, magical Rose Wang and one of my friends from college, actually, one of my personal friends. I'm so happy to have her here on the show. Rose, thank you for being here with us and taking the time to talk to us. Thank you both so much for having me. This is so exciting. I can't wait to talk to a mother-daughter duo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've already, y'all have missed the little prelude when Rose and my mom were (laughs) chatting and kind of making fun of me a little bit, but that's totally okay. (laughs) We were having fun already. We're we're just chit-chatting and finally decided we should probably record something. I know. This has already been fun and it's been only five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So Rose is one of my friends that I talk to all of my close family members and other friends about because she's one of my friends that I just am so proud proud of what she has done and the journey that she has been on. Rose, as y'all have already heard, is the founder of Chirps and now co-author of a brand new book called Eat Bugs Project Startup, which y'all, it is number one currently on Amazon's new releases for children's jobs and career reference books. Go Rose! Go Rose! And and her co-authors, of course, Heather Alexander as well, and Laura DeSaro. Um, but Rose, thank you for being here again. And of course, everything that I've seen when you've talked to people, everyone asks you the token question, but I do think we should start there for our listeners. Tell us how you came up with the idea of Chirps along with Laura and how it came to be. Absolutely. So um, that is generally the question, because how many people go decide to start a company about uh, feeding people with bugs? You know, it's very uh, unusual. Um, Unique. Unique and special. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you for the right words. (laughs) So it so speaking of college, uh, Laura was one of my college roommates um, in school. And Laura is um, always really deeply cared about the environment. Um, In fact, she's been vegetarian most of her life because of sustainability reasons. Um, But that all changed when she was in Tanzania one summer as she was an African studies major. And she saw a street vendor selling fried caterpillars and um, it was a win in Tanzania. 
everyone around her was like, you should try it. Um, and so she bought one. She was scared, but she was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And um, she put in her mouth and her first thought was, this tastes like lobster, <laughs> uh, which is amazing. And once we realized that that made sense because insects and crustacean um, are very closely related. In fact, we call insects uh, seafood of the land. Mm. Um, and so when she had that experience, um, it went off a light bulb went off on her head. You know, why are people eating bugs in Tanzania and not other parts of the world? Mm -hmm. And so when she got back to the U.S., she started researching why are people eating bugs? And what she found out as she did that research is that insects are one of the most sustainable protein sources. Mm -hmm. um, and it's on all fronts, not just um, CO2 emissions, but water usage, food waste. Um, and so we can go into that later, but it it was the spark she needed of, hey, we have so many different protein sources and we're ignoring one of the most sustainable ones. Um, and so she sent me an article about it and was like, this is what I would do with my life. Uh, <laughs> and I had just come back from China where I had a very similar experience and was dared to eat a fried scorpion. Um, and so I, I jumped on board and I was like, you know what? I'm super into this idea as well. Um, and that's how it all started in college. That's all and this was senior year? This was senior year. Yes. Nice. You know, Mariana has told me numerous times one of the things that she misses most about college is in the dining hall or, you know, wherever y'all are gathered, the conversations that y'all would have with each other and just the mind blowing experiences people had and their ideas and how y'all would bounce ideas off of each other. I never, I, I, I cannot imagine coming up with the idea of eating bugs anywhere else other than a college conversation. Like, and I see why Mariana misses them so much. I mean, yeah, talking absolutely. about coming up with a unique idea outside the box. It is. I think college is a great place. It's <laughs> completely outside the box. And one of the, I know you mentioned environmental, but which is obviously very important to us. But one of the things that I I point out, especially when we're talking to some of our guests, I think a token sign that you're like on the right path or that an idea is really, truly important and vital is when it ticks several boxes, right? It's not just profitable. It's not just good for the environment. It's also good for your health. It's also good for social issues. And that's one of the things that, or one of the reasons you and Laura have been so inspirational for me in the last several years is, we're gonna go into some of the other reasons, but one of the main ones is, I feel like Chirps does that. It ticks all of those boxes and you kind of, you realize, okay, we're on to something because this is not just good in one arena. So for, you touched on the environmental aspects, but for our listeners, can you give us the highlights of why your business model and eating insects in general is environmentally beneficial, but also health-wise and socially? Yeah, absolutely, Mariana. And I think that's really what appealed to us about insects is oftentimes in um, the consumer world, there's a lot of marketing around healthy or sustainable, but what they don't talk about is that oftentimes everything is systemic, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you have compostable packaging, that's more cost. And so you're going to have to find somewhere else to get that 
uh, costs to go down from somewhere else. And that's the part they don't talk about. And so what was so appealing about chirps to us and the idea of eating bugs is that it's a systemic change. Um, Because when we look at the food system, it's not one thing wrong. It's a lot of things that are broken and they're Mm -hmm. all tied together. Um, So I just want to have you guys imagine a world where... Um, this is this is really what got us excited about bugs. Is that right now we know what the problems are uh, in food, right? Food is traveling halfway across the the country, if not the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of freshwater uh, usage where a lot of our lands are drying out because it's monoculture culture of soy or corn that's being fed to our traditional protein sources. Uh, all of like to make a pound of beef, it takes 2000 gallons of water to make a pound of crickets. It only takes one gallon of water, wow. um, which is incredible. Wow. Um, and so it's not only what, but then the other problem is then once you make all the food, about half of the food is wasted in the U.S. It gets thrown away. Um, and so all the resources we use to create that food just all goes to waste. Um, and so what was cool about insects is that you can basically fix all these problems with one system. So unlike most proteins like cows or pigs, you can actually raise crickets in cities. So think about like Youngstown, Ohio um, or Detroit, Michigan, where there's a lot of empty warehouses. Mm -hmm. Those make perfect cricket farms. Um, And so all you need is essentially a building that's uh, temperature controlled. Um, And of course, you want to have the right protocol around uh, sanitation, but ultimately, This is a true urban farm. Um, And so then once you have the crickets in your urban area where you can put up um, your farm right next to your factory, you're Mm -hmm. already reducing the distance that food has to travel. Then uh, the cool thing about bugs is that um, they or crickets, especially uh, it's a four week, four to six week life cycle. So they get raised. Um, We eat 100 percent of the cricket. Um, and then what, what are they fed on? They can be fed on food waste. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's what crickets eat out in the wild, right? So, uh, they eat grains, they eat, uh, vegetables. And so very, why not take, uh, food from your local farm if that's not being used? Perfect cricket feed. Um, so that's a virtuous cycle. And then once the crickets, uh, the one thing they have is frass, their poop, and that can be used as fertilizer. Um, and so it's this complete food system where the protein itself is extremely um, easy to create. It's very nutritious, which I'll get into, but that um, essentially the entire ecosystem is closed mm-hmm. um, and there's very little waste created. And we're mitigating a lot of the problems that we're seeing with other food systems. I love that Amazing. aspect. Closed loop. You you pull up my engineering heartstrings right there, Rose. <laughs> and so tell us about tell us about the oh, yeah closed system. Tell us about the um, health benefits because yeah. I don't think many people know about that either. Totally. Yeah. So like I said, um, insects are seafood of the land, um, and what what I in science, they're actually all arthropods. So they're genetically quite similar and their uh, nutrition structure is quite similar. Um, And so we know seafood is quite nutritious. uh, So are insects. In fact, what's cool about insects is that they're a complete animal protein um, and they have uh, more, so they have more protein than beef even because when, just because something has protein doesn't mean your body processes all of it. And so the bioavailability of crickets is much higher than beef. Mm. Um, so your body's processing more of that protein, not going to waste. Um, the other part of it has more B12 than, um, spinach more, or sorry, more B12 than salmon, more iron than spinach. So extremely Mm. healthy. Um, 
And I think that's really important because there are over 2000 varieties of edible insects. And so when we decided which one we wanted to start out with, the health aspect was really important. And crickets are one of the highest protein um, and most nutritious, which is why we decided to start with crickets. Mm. It's so many times we have seen that whenever something is good for the environment, it's good for the human being. You know, like walking and, you know, eating vegetables and so eating insects, better for the environment and better for the human being. That's true. (laughs) Mom always puts in that little plug. (laughs) She's like, better for the earth, better for us. Like, that's true, Mom. Better for you, better for the world. That's it. So... I would love to know if you have consciously seen yourself as an educator throughout this process, because especially now with your new book, and I would love you to talk about that and give uh, audience a little sneak peek. But even before the book, um, you've always been an educator. And is has that been a big part of your mission? Or did that just kind of come naturally or as you just needed to educate people because this was so new. (laughs) Yeah. A new industry. Absolutely. And I think that's exactly right. When we talk about new industries, they always talk about first wave, second waves. And so let's take kombucha, for example. Kombucha only recently got big, but there was one company called GT Synergy that had been around for 15 years that was doing it. Um, And they were the ones who were getting the first adopters. And when you are a first wave company, what you really are is you're educating the market. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big reason why people don't want to be first in market because education is also expensive, right? Most things, it's like at this point, we don't have to tell people kombucha is good for you. So there doesn't have to be additional conversations to convince someone to go and drink kombucha. And so for us, cricket is a new concept in the Western world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so didn't really matter if we wanted to be educators or not. Like you said, we had to be because nobody understood why, you know, why crickets. And so if you don't really have the why behind a product or a service, it's just going to be kitschy. It's going to be something that people use as a fear factor um, and it's novelty and you're going to not have returning customers. Um, But when what we were going out to do is we wanted systemic change to create that systemic change. You need mainstream adoption to get mainstream adoption as a first time business. We needed to educate. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. Education is a big, big big piece of it. And um, actually, we got really lucky because I think once we realized that education was a big part of that, we stumbled upon our favorite group of customers, kids. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because that's the thing is like what we understood was. When you're an adult and you've been taught your whole life that bugs are gross, that's really hard to change. Mm -hmm. But for children, they don't naturally have that instinct. Um, It's actually not something we're born with to be scared of bugs because we see the Mm -hmm. kids right in the backyard grabbing the bugs and trying to put it in their mouth. (laughs) 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 I always walked around with frogs in my pockets and in my mouth. Like tiny frogs. frogs in her hands (laughs) so there you go right it's not a natural discuss it's developed through education Mm -hmm. and so for us it's about just educating in the the opposite this is not gross you've only been taught it was gross but did you know that two and a half billion people all over the world eat bugs Mm -hmm. it's just a western concept yeah yeah and also from sustainability perspective and and our experience I think 
many times the way to truly reach adults is also through children, right? I mean, if parents Mm -hmm. are seeing their kids asking for chips that are made from crickets or snacks or whatnot, then they, first of all, want to be informed as to the nutritional value, the taste, all of that stuff. And then their minds start to open up as well. It's, I think, incredible the impact that children can have on society at large. Yeah. And I think like this is not a secret. Apple went that approach where they gave their iPads for free in schools and that's how they got their market adoption, right? Because you start early, you get the kids understanding, hey, what is this new world? And it becomes the current world. And so I absolutely agree that um, kids are a great way to introduce new ideas. And that's why we always want young innovators coming in to help kind of disrupt us old adults in our old ways. (laughs) Speaking of disrupting adults, what did your parents think when you came home and said, I want to start selling bugs to eat? (laughs) What was your parents' reaction to that? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious that I'm Chinese or, (laughs) (laughs) um, and my parents are Chinese immigrants um, from you know, they lived through the Cultural Revolution in China. And so coming from that background, the name of the game is stability, right? Like mm-hmm. find a good job, keep your head down and, and don't inter- introduce too much um, craziness. <laughs> and uh, I kind of went the opposite direction, I, which Jenna, I think you uh, could probably attest to is quite common with parents and kids. Most um, definitely. The opposite direction. <laughs> this pendulum often swings far from the mother tree. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I can uh, attest to that. Um, and so definitely my parents did not understand. Um, and, you know, it's I don't blame them. Like, they, it's just... My the way I grew up was so different from the way they grew up. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely it was definitely a challenge. But I mean, year five in, like, what can they say? It's pretty clear (laughs) I'm committed. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. The mother just had to ask you that question because I think of myself as a pretty open mother, open minded mother. And I even was thinking if Mariana or Montana had come home and told me something like that, I wonder how I would initially reacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is actually a perfect segue into my next que- question. And I don't know if you were possibly expecting me to go to this angle, but it's not planned, by the way. This is not planned, y'all. <laughs> Ad hoc. Um, I we were actually interviewing a Harvard grad a couple of weeks ago, Jennifer Jewell. Uh, an amazing woman just doing incredible groundbreaking work in the horticulture industry and really bringing to light how important garden gardening is and how important it is to recognize that connection that we have to plants and gardening. And we started talking about pursuing what it is that you actually want to do and feel called to do despite those social pressures and to call it out more blatantly, the social pressure attached to having a Harvard degree. And I know you have mentioned in some of your interviews, but also we've talked about it on a more personal level, the number of manufacturers that turned y'all down and the number of no's that you got and also having to turn down opportunities with Microsoft or Harvard Business School because you were so driven by this mission 
that sounds crazy, an omission that might sound crazy to everyone else except for you and Laura and your co-founders. So it's a very similar experience to mine in some ways. Um, And I don't think a lot of people think about how difficult that can be, but how important it is and soul satisfying it is to be working towards a mission that resonates with you and that is, has a larger calling and a larger impact, which is to positively change the world. And so I want you to speak to that if you don't mind and your, your experience and your journey with that and, and how you kind of stuck with it and said, Hey, peeps, get out the way. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dedicate my career to bugs for now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that question. Um, because I think that the media does a really bad job of telling the story of what it's like to be a founder and to, to kind of go your own way Mm -hmm. because it's all packaged up in this really nice narrative, right? Everyone expects there to be a founding story. So we packaged a founding story for you. Now that's not how life works, right? It's not like, oh, here's a movie and sequential events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of it with founders is to, to say that there was no doubt is also false. Mm-hmm. Like there was so much doubt throughout time. Um, when you're, when I was 22, right out of school, had no professional experience in the real world. When you get your like 200 no, you do question, you know, am I doing something wrong? (laughs) Um, And there were so many moments. I mean, we had an investor once. So I remember the first time we pitched to an investor, um, he was at Harvard Business School or like uh, one of the, the the community members. And he and so we were really excited. This is our first investor pitch. Um, and Laura and I like talked about the world that we were going to build with bugs. And he didn't say anything the whole time. And at the end, he just looked at us, blinked, and he was like, I've been an investor for 10 years, and this is the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> oh. oh, that's harsh. Oh, that took my breath away. <laughs> oh, that was... That was yeah, lo- and it, that it was- happens so much, and it's I don't I don't really like I think if we knew the formula to like this is how you can keep going, um, someone would have made a lot of money from that formula by now. Mm-hmm. Um, the The truth of matter is that it there is no formula, and it's what you were talking about um, earlier is that you have to follow. It's about yourself and knowing yourself, um, and knowing what to put first in terms of what fulfillment really looks like. Um, and so I don't know, I, I, I wish there were a more like polished answer, but to be honest, I think part of it was just because we were young and we didn't know what a no meant, uh, which is, I think is the most beautiful thing about entrepreneurship and, and having young founders is that, um, I, there's almost this like, bullishness that adults are wrong. Like, oh, they're so set in their ways. Mm-hmm. They don't really know. And and we can push lots of examples of, you know, Elon Musk, when he 10 years ago came out and said, there's going to be more e-cars on the road than there are, you know, gas cars. Everyone laughed in his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, now everyone's doing an e-car, right? And so it, it always is crazy until you make it happen. And so I think as a young person, um, we were just bullish on that because we hadn't heard no so much yet. And so we weren't <laughs> beaten down by the world yet. Um, so I, think, I think that really helps. And I think also having each other um, mm-hmm. that oftentimes when I was down, Laura would pull me up and vice versa. And I think it really helps that we we're both extremely optimistic people. Yeah. Um, and so 
there were just a lot of different variables that contributed to that. But um, no, I don't know. Like there's no real like one thing. It was just and this is what I oftentimes hear from other founders is that essentially what happens is that you just want this more than anything else. It's not that there aren't other emotions happening like anxiety, fear, stress. It's just that the desire to do this is louder than everything else. And we just so happen to listen to that voice. I love that. You had such an important mission to the mm-hmm. world. I think that is a huge part of it. And also, whenever I was listening to you, it reminded me a lot of my life. I have not followed a traditional path in life. And whether it was correct or it wasn't, it was my life. And at the end of my life, I will know I didn't lead the life that society said I should have led. I led Jenna's life and you are doing that and you have such an important mission in your life and thank you for doing that oh thank you Jenna oh that like made me tear up you you got the mom cheerleader (laughs) moment (laughs) no it's so true I mean God we need more people to stand up for what's right and to have that mission and know what has to be done yeah yeah what what it, what's more important than saving the earth and all of us? Yeah. There's it's not so a more important, important mission, I don't think. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But I think there's one thing I have like realized and, and sitting here with both of you. I mean, seeing how amazing it is for you to have to have each other. You know, it gives a glimpse of that there is a part of you that's very full. Right. There are people in your lives who care about you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really important to be able to decide, you know what, I'm going to go away from what society expects because I can find my fullness currently from something in my life or someone Mm -hmm. in my life. And so, because I also think to understand why people don't go their own path is also really important. And a lot of it comes from just them not having that stability or um, the the confidence from somebody else that they will be supported no matter what happens. And so I do very much just looking at you to think like, what a perfect model, right? Like how could Aww. like, yes, let's go do it. But Jenna, you were an inspiration for Mariana, right? And so like- if, And vice if, versa. <laughs> and vice versa, exactly. And so you don't have to do it alone. You're not supposed to do it alone. Yeah, I love that. Thanks, Rose. And she always got the little nuggets of wisdom. Okay, well, now tell us all about your book. And for those of y'all who are with us on Patreon, we're actually going to get a sneak peek into like open action, open the book and talk about it in more depth. But tell us about your exciting new book, um, about the process and what you are hoping that this book will do and how it's going to touch the young lives of the future. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk about my book. Uh, So this is my book. It's called Eat Bugs Project Startup. Um, And it's based not um, fully on or it is like based on our story. I just it's not us. I do want to be very clear that uh, it is inspired by but not exactly our story. Um, And uh, this is me. Oops. No, me and my co-founder, Laura. And um, this book has turned our story into a kids fiction series. And so here we're in sixth grade. Uh, We go to a school called Brookdale Middle School. And essentially, um, Jay and Hallie are in the same class, but not friends. And they got assigned uh, to work on a class project together where it's 
a pitch competition for their class. And um, Hallie, like my, oops, <laughs> Hallie, like my co-founder, Laura, is, uh, <clears throat> I would say, the kid who just does, beats, uh, what is it, um, marches to the beat of her own drum. Mm-hmm. And she's always been like that. Uh, versus I grew up more in a very traditional Asian family and then was trying to find my place in a non-Asian <laughs> society. And so how these two came together and found their own identities, but also Hallie pushing Jay uh, into trying something different and being very comfortable with that. So it's a story about chirps and how it started, but it's also a story of friendship, identity, um, and it's just been so amazing that we were able to turn that story into uh, like a more like babysitter's club version. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and does it touch on the entrepreneurship aspect of it? Obviously through this pitch, but how how much on like a businessy perspective does it take or is it more character development and story? Yeah, great question. So it is a chapter book. So I do want to open it up. It's thick. Yes. <laughs> it's for uh, grades three to five. And so when we tell people about the book, it's really, it's like a mixture between Babysitter's Club, Shark Tank, um, and How to Eat Fried Worms, um, for those of you <laughs> who know that book. Um, and so the the why Laura and I did this in the beginning is because what we wanted to do is inspire um, young kids, but especially girls, to go and pursue their dreams, mm-hmm. to go and pursue entrepreneurship. So that was a huge part of it. Um, But a lot of the story is also around. um, So it is a narrative, right? It is a it's a chapter book. It's a fiction series. um, But it's told in a way that teaches you the entrepreneurship lessons as it goes along, because essentially the class unfolds where they get put there. Go, they're in their entrepreneurship class. And then uh, the teacher, Mr. Thompson, leads them through different aspects. Let's identify the problem. Okay, now what does an MVP look like? And mm. so we try to teach the entrepreneurship pieces in more like narrative form because it's much more fun for kids to pick that up. That's awesome. Well, y'all, you can order it now. I pre-ordered and it hasn't yet arrived, but I can't wait to get my hands on it. And it is trending on Amazon, as I mentioned. So I'm so, what was your favorite part? of creating that book? Oh man, this is truly one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so special, uh, I think to be able to have that story out there and, um, really touch kids. And so I would say of the, like truly this whole experience. So it was yesterday that I realized what this book meant. So we gave a presentation to 300 kids, third to fifth, And so we're doing a lot of classroom visits. That is by far my favorite. Because then when we start talking about the book, oh my God, I love all the ideas that kids have. They're like pitching us. (laughs) They have so many great ideas. Um, And, you know, the feedback we're getting is that for a lot of these young kids, the whole point is that we did it when we knew nothing. And so they feel Mm. like they can do it too. And so to me, like seeing that happening in real time, that's more than I could have ever asked for. That's awesome. And it's true. Like people think that, again, as you mentioned, it's almost like this movie version of your success and journey that people get and they see you once you've made it. But most of us start out knowing not what we're doing. (laughs) And, And I think 
and we portray that we've made it too, right? It's it that's important to but for kids, I'm sure seeing that they're like, oh, not only does this adult know everything, but that person definitely knew everything. And that's yeah. great that you were able to open the door for them through your story and to listen, like we're not special. We're we just did it. We just went for it. And that is awesome. My dog wants to come in, so sorry. <laughs> He's been scratching at the door. Okay. Okay. Well, we are going to start wrapping it up for the public portion, but y'all join us on Patreon for a sneak peek into their awesome new book before we head out. And mom has her final question that she always asks. But it's going to be two final questions this time. Okay. Well, then I'll let you take it away because I had a question, but if you're taking two. No, my my first, both of them will be brief. Go ahead. Okay. Going back to chirps, full circle, do y'all, you know, 15, 20 years down the line, where do you see that going in terms of cricket protein? Because I know you've obviously started with the snacks and kind of packaged it that way, but big vision, um, where where do you see that going? Thank you for asking that. <laughs> um, so, you know, for us, we realize we're, we're bringing people on a journey as well, right? Mm-hmm. We, we're gung-ho about bugs, but maybe not everyone is. And so <laughs> really understanding your customers, where they are, super important in the whole business development process. And so um, the reason we came out with the cricket chips first and our cookies is that what we realized was in America, we don't have a culture of eating um, whole animals. Um, we have a culture of eating chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. And so, sure, that is how we'll start. And so if we can turn the crickets into a powder, into a more um, friendly form, that's what we call our gateway bug uh, <laughs> food. And then uh, in the future, there's no reason why you go into the store and you see a turkey burger, a beef burger, you got now your impossible burgers. Why not there be a cricket burger? Mm-hmm. Um Crickets are actually animal protein. And when you're actually taking a plant protein and trying to manipulate it into the texture, taste of meat, that's a lot harder than when you already take something that is an animal protein to do that. And Mm. so that world is much sooner than I think we even understand. Um, And maybe it doesn't always have to start on uh, in the Western world, but now we're such a global world where food trends in Asia, Africa are becoming much more popular. And so can we utilize our global marketplace to help popularize insect protein, that I think is the real, uh, the, the, the goal of the future is it's just another uh, protein source like anything else that you see in the stores today. I can't wait. I can't wait to go buy my, my Chirps burger someday. Yes. <laughs> oh, Rose, I'm sitting here and I want to ask you so many questions. <laughs> well, you, you can't. We'll have a bonus. <laughs> I know. And then and I think there's even more. But okay, so I have two questions. One is n- not a very deep question at all, but I'm dying to ask you. So pre-COVID and we, you, and we could go to cocktail parties and people would ask you, so what do you do? <laughs> What do you say and what are some of the crazy reactions you've gotten? Because, yeah, I'd love to know what people say say to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say it's changed over time because when we first started, um, people used to just like fall out of their chairs and not understand what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think things have changed a little bit. Um, so. I'm very open. Uh, Pre-COVID, when people ask me what I do, I say I make food with bugs (laughs) Um, and crickets. And um, one of my favorite funny responses is that a lot of people are like, what? 
crickets, like the bug. And then I, I like to troll them. And I'm like, no, 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 like the players. <laughs> um, so at this point, I think you have to make fun of it a little bit because I get asked, like it, people just stop for a second, right? They're like, wait, did I hear this right? Um, but then now I think what's so amazing is um, 50% of the people we talk to, they're like, oh my gosh, no way. It's more sustainable, right? And so to see that change now compared to when we first started, I mean, that is just thrilling. That's when you know there's wow. momentum and that we're onto something. That That is thrilling. And that's how I feel about talking about climate change with people. When yes. we graduated from college, so back in 2013, I, I had to be really careful about saying the words climate change or global warming. And now I can sprinkle that into conversations anytime I want and people don't fall out of their chair, like you were saying. Yes. That is great. Mom, last question. She I just, have to keep her on schedule here. Because <laughs> she knows I want to ask more questions. Rose is a busy lady. I know, I know, <laughs> but it's so interesting. So, okay, Rose, the last question I always ask people is what is the most important thing that you think each person can do to help reverse global warming and climate change? Awesome question. Um, to, to me, it's about taking action because I think so many, um, it's so easy to stand by and say, well, I'm not the problem, mm -hmm. right? It's everyone else. But then if everyone else had that same thought, then there, there is no change. And so um, I think it's important for every person to realize the agency and influence and impact that they can have on their communities. And if each person acted like an owner with agency and decided even just one meal, I'm going to replace with a more sustainable protein that has impacts that are so far reaching um, that I think that's what it starts with. And it just makes it so much easier because sometimes it's almost like there's too many things to do. I don't know where to start and I give up. Mm -hmm. And so it's just about taking that first action and committing to it. I love that. I love so that. So true. It's so true. And I love that so many of our guests say similar things in very different ways, mm -hmm. but there's just so many common threads that people underestimate the impact of personal change and personal action. So thanks for saying that. And eat bugs, of course. <laughs> and eat bugs. Yes. I should have just said that. You can just eat bugs. <laughs> you can just eat bugs. Well, Rose, we are looking forward to spending time with you in our bonus. But before we let you go, can you please tell our audience how they can learn more about you and your awesome work, etc.? <laughs> yeah, it's very simple. You just go to eatchirps.com. Awesome. Rose, thank you so much for spending the time with us. I can't wait for us to be able to in real life hang out and have a good catch up. You are an amazing human being doing such wonderful things for the world and we appreciate you. Oh, so much. And can I hang out with y'all for a little bit too? I won't take the whole time. Absolutely. Just a little bit of hanging out with y'all. Mom, mom, this is my cool friend. I, I know. I can have a few cool friends. I like Rose a lot. And thank you so much for sharing your time, expertise, and even more your passion with us. Thank you both. Right back at ya. <laughs> Thanks, Rose.